Hello and welcome to Abuse Isn't What You Think. I'm your host, Jackie Graybill. This episode features a special session with me that was recorded for the online Trauma to Triumph Sisterhood Challenge and may refer to other guests or things that were said throughout the challenge. This episode begins with some content, continues with an EFT tapping session, and it ends with a journaling challenge. If you want to hear more about what EFT tapping is for an explanation, please check out episode four, where EFT tapping practitioner Kim Marshall explains tapping and gives us a demonstration. In the show notes for this episode, you'll find the timestamps. So if you want to go straight to the tapping, feel free to do that. Welcome, welcome to day five of the Trauma to Triumph Challenge. I'm so excited for today because it's going to be some really, really juicy content, and I hope it will be really, really helpful to you. Before we get started, let's just take a deep breath. I don't know what today has been like for you, but for me, it's been a day. Oh, if you're singing this in the morning, you probably won't have had the same experience, but it has been a day on this side of the pond. So let's take a deep breath. Just let it go. Okay. Today, we're talking about financial abuse and rebuilding your life after having this experience. Did you know that a study was done and 97% of people who've been in an abusive relationship, financial abuse was a part of that. And we're talking about toxic, narcissistic, however you want to frame that, 97% experienced financial abuse. So there's a good chance that this is something you are familiar with. And especially when we look at it from a female perspective, this has really, really deep roots because of our patriarchal society. It was only decades ago, I think in the seventies, that we were finally able as females to get our own credit cards. That is crazy. Things have been held in men's names and in their ownership for so many centuries and throughout history that it makes sense that this is an aspect that would be really deeply entrenched in abusive relationships because it is so patriarchal. So financial abuse, what is it? How would you know? if you had experienced something like this. It's if the other person insists on controlling the finances, doesn't let you work, or really controls the kind of work that you do. They control the finances and just give you money. Or in my case, keep the finances absolutely separate even though you may have a lot of student loan debt, for instance, like I did slash do, and the other person makes a lot more money. In fact, with me, I didn't even know how much he made until the week before we got married, which may seem crazy, but I just had this underlying feeling and subconscious belief of you don't ask. And there's this idea that men take care of the money or that I should be responsible enough to take care of my own. And he takes care of his own. But if I ever had a hard time making ends meet on my side with my bills, it was this huge imposition on his side. If I needed a little help and had to ask him. And then I was made bad. It was my fault. And have you heard things like, you're not good with money? Why did you spend something on that? But the thing is, their spending habits, their income, any of that is never up for discussion. It's never able to be held under a microscope. And the interesting thing is, When I got married, a week before my wedding, he lost his job. 
So it was just rental income that he had and just doing these little odd jobs, like selling things he found at the thrift store on eBay kind of a thing. And then it was just my income. And I was a piano teacher at the time. And that was how I was making my income. I decided with a big push from him to, instead of going to my students' homes to teach, to teach at a studio. And he was hugely supportive of this and very much pushed it. Now I realize it's because he didn't want me going to those homes and talking with the mothers of my students who I developed these friendships with. So I ended up losing two-thirds of my business as a result of this move. And he would always be pushing, you need to get a job, you need to do something. And then I would bring up, oh, what about this as an idea? Oh, well, that won't work because of blah, blah, blah. He wanted me to have a job, but he wanted me to have the type of job that he wanted me to have. So underlying every one of these relationships, this is something that I have found in my master's studies and have been blown away by is something called coercive control. And coercive control is something that underlies every decision they make, all of their gaslighting. That's why they do it. Everything they do is so they can maintain control of you, control of the relationship, and to make sure that you don't leave unless they want to leave. In that case, if they want to leave, that's fine. So if they want to leave, you're almost lucky because you didn't try to escape from them because it is very, very difficult. And one of the ways they make it very difficult is by controlling the finances. Because if you don't have access to funds, when it's time for you to leave, how are you going to make it? How are you going to find a place to live, to pay for things? You may be escaping with the clothes on your back. What do you do? How do you make it without them? And so they structure your relationship and way of living. So it's very hard for you to leave because of your financial reliance on them. It's so insidious. Allstate, which is an insurance company in the United States, started a campaign called the Purple Purse. And this is to bring awareness to the fact that 97% of abusive relationships have financial abuse as a part. So it's really, really important to look at your own story, look at what happened, and just start to unpick that ball, right? It's almost like a ball of yarn that you're unpicking or a rubber band ball and start pulling those off and finding the layers and finding the places where that person that you were in a relationship with has said to you things about finances. And this is such a journey. It's like everything else we've been talking about. The journey from trauma to triumph takes a long time. And this one in particular, financial abuse and rebuilding your life can take a long, long time to get there. I am still in the middle of that. My credit score is (laughs) not happy times in credit score city for Jackie. (laughs) But you know what? It's realizing, okay, this is the long game. This is something I can work on because it's absolutely doable. And you know what? You've done the hardest part. You have escaped. So now let's get you to the point where you've rebuilt your life. You can see exciting things in your future. And I know that you can get there. Just like I am getting there. And I'm in that process of rebuilding your life. So one of the important things, and this is really hard, it's simple, but it's incredibly difficult to do, is to ask for and accept help. Because if you're trying to do it on your own, and like Jennifer said in the session yesterday, she felt like she had to be strong to it on her own, and she was really embarrassed to tell people about what was going on. Those are two very natural emotions that we have when we're going through this trauma that we are experiencing. 
So if you feel that, know you're normal. And that's absolutely okay. Don't make yourself bad for feeling that way. But also know that if you are brave enough, like that card Patricia pulled for all of us, if you tap into your inner strength and if you find the courage to ask and to accept help, that is going to go so far in your journey to rebuilding your life because you can't do it in isolation. You really can't. It's going to take help from other people, safe people, but it's going to take help. In my case, I went to live at a domestic violence shelter for two months. That may not be your story. You may not be there. You might not need that. And that is awesome. But along with that came resources. There was resources that they partnered with a local organization that had a charity shop. They call them charity shops in the UK. So so I'm using that language, a thrift store type of thing where they would resell clothes that were really nice. And they would also stock and sell furniture, used furniture that was really nice. And what I was able to do was get a voucher from the shelter and I would go in and I could buy new clothes with that for a certain amount. I could get new clothes because I may have just escaped with the clothes on my back. The shelter had a a small amount of donations as well. And so I was able to tap into that too. But when I ventured out, when I left the shelter and ended up staying at an apartment with one of my roommates at the shelter for a year, the things that we used to furnish that, they were all from the shelter and from that thrift store. They'd said, what do you need? I'd written out a list. I need a bed. I need a mattress. Things are available to you that you might not realize. And people really want the things they're not using anymore to go to good use. So you're actually helping them by accepting their help. It's a win-win for everybody. I was also able to get help with the rent, as was my roommate. And there are so many programs related to this. Just check with your local domestic violence shelter or call the National Domestic Violence Hotline in the U.S. Check with Refuge in the U.K. There's so many resources to help you start to rebuild your life. And things may not be new starting back out. They might not be shiny and gorgeous and what you would absolutely love. But you know what? They will help you in that in-between step and just know that you are not going to be in that place forever. This is your temporary home. This is your temporary spot where you're sticking your claim to your new life, which is exciting. It's exciting and it's actually empowering because even though you may be accepting help from some places, you are not reliant on that person. And every time you accept help from somebody who is not them, that's you saying to yourself, look, I can make it on my own. I can do this. I know my ex would say to me, if it weren't for me, you would fall off a cliff. And to a certain extent, I started to believe that. Just like Annie's ex telling her she's an idiot. Yours may have told you something similar to make you feel like you were reliant on them and you cannot have a future and rebuild your life without them. But you know what? You can. You can absolutely do it. Take the long view. You will eventually get to where you want to go. It's just going to take those tiny little baby steps. I'm reminded of the show Made, the Netflix show that's based on a true story, a memoir of a woman who escaped an abusive relationship. And she got a job as a maid cleaning toilets. That was what she could do. But that was only a temporary step. She went on to go to college, to 
get her education, to become a writer, to write a best-selling book that was made into a Netflix series. You never know what incredible things are coming down the pike. So let yourself be willing to be a novice. Let yourself be willing to try things. And you may need to go back to school. You may need to get an education because you may have been out of the workforce for a long time. A lot of abusers will want their partner to stay home with the kids if they have kids or even if they don't have kids. So they're reliant on them. So their skills in the workforce are not current. So that makes it even more difficult to leave. So think about education. Realize in this day and age, in these COVID times, you have even more opportunities than you did before. We're going through the period of the great resignation, leaving a swath of jobs that are available, but also being able to have your own business online has never been easier in the history of the internet. You can have your own brand. You can be your own boss. There is a mug that I love and I'm going to get at some point. And it says, be the CEO your parents always wanted you to marry. Think about that. Could you be the CEO of your own company, of your own brand? And what is it that you have that you can share with the world, that the world is craving, that the world needs? As you're thinking about these thoughts and going through this journey, no, it's okay to take a job in the meantime that is not going to be your favorite, that you're not going to stay in forever. Just keep that long game in mind as you go through this process. I've been through so many experiences where I have to rebuild my life. I, in 2011, had a really successful piano teaching business and ended up letting that all go to move to Nashville. I didn't know anybody. Okay, I knew one person, but I never saw him after I moved there. I had two bags and a one-way plane ticket. I didn't even know where I was going to stay until two weeks before I left. And a friend of a friend said, hey, I have this friend you might be able to stay with, their family. And I did. And I rebuilt from nothing. I was a Starbucks barista. And then I subbed in public schools. And I slowly built my way up. And when I left my abusive ex, at that point in time, do you know how much I was making? I was making... $300 a month net after the expenses, $300. That's when I went to live with a friend's mother. And you'll hear from that friend tomorrow in a session, Brandy. And then after that, I went to the domestic violence shelter and then started to rebuild my life from there. Then I had rebuilt my business to the end of 2019. And then my ex started ramping up and he's in IT. And I knew that he could find me. It was just months after our divorce had been final. And so I just decided it wasn't safe to stay there anymore. So my little puppy, Tyrion, and I went to stay with my parents, which is something I never would have imagined. That's another one of those humbling things where you say, okay, I'm just going to do this, even though this is something I never thought I'd ever do. I never thought I would live in a domestic violence shelter. I never thought I would be living with my parents again as a 30-something divorced woman. I never thought I'd be divorced. But you know what? It wasn't actually that bad. I actually started enjoying living with my parents as an adult. And then when COVID hit just months later, I was in a place where I knew I was safe. 
I knew that I could stay there, that I didn't have to worry about the rent. But that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't accepted help when my mom called and said, I know we've offered this before, but I just really feel like I would like to offer this again to you. You know, you and Tyrion can come and stay with us for a year rent-free while you get your feet back under you. And so I did. And then that next year, I had knew that I had been wanting to move to London since fall of 2019 when I visited a friend here in London. And as COVID was dragging on, I decided, you know what? Maybe I could get my master's. So I found a university in the UK and my master's that I just completed months ago is in understanding domestic and sexual violence. And that never would have happened if I hadn't chosen to rebuild my life, if I hadn't gone through this healing process, if I hadn't accepted the help from my parents of staying with them, I wouldn't have been in a place where I could go and study. Now, I've been in London for about five months, and I'm rebuilding my life here. And it's not easy. It takes time. And it takes a willingness to not have that security. Because when you're in that relationship with someone who's abusive, you know what to expect. But out there in the wide world, if you leave, if you go and decide to rebuild your life, who knows what could happen? It could be a big, scary experience. But on the other hand, like the what if in the positive that we talked about yesterday, what if you find out you've got this talent that you never realized you had? What if you find an incredible relationship? What if you end up moving to an amazing city you never expected to be in? Like me moving to London. That's crazy to me. But it happens through stepping out, taking help, being gentle with yourself that this is going to take time and you're not immediately going to be back to where you were. So let yourself try new things. Let's talk about the subconscious beliefs that you might have about money. Some of these are from that patriarchal background. My family was pretty conservative, and with five daughters, my dad always expected us to go from living with him to living with our husbands, but that didn't end up happening. It just didn't. We ended up going to get educations and try our hand at this, that, and the other, and that idea that someone is responsible for you is so not serving you, that your dad is responsible for you, that your partner is responsible for you, because it takes away the power that you have to provide for yourself. This year, especially, I've really, really tapped into this archetype of the huntress. And when I say the huntress, I don't mean somebody who's out with a gun shooting Bambi or shooting rabbits or, you know, birds or whatever. That's not what I mean. When I say the huntress, in my head, I see Merida with red curls. Maybe it's because I'm a redhead, you know, with a bow and arrow. She's out there. She's ready to make it on her own and to not have to rely on anyone else for what she needs. I realized at the end of last year that I had been thinking about other people as providing for me and just accepting the breadcrumbs, whether that's from unemployment during COVID. Nothing wrong with that. It sustained me. It was the reason I was able to go to school. Whether it's that, whether it's a partner, whatever it is. But I realize that I deserve more than those breadcrumbs. I deserve more than the leftovers 
that are left over after someone else goes on the hunt and makes the money and brings things back. I want to be able to go to a restaurant and order whatever I want on the menu. I want to be able to get on Amazon and say, yes, without having to worry that I have money in the bank. Is this resonating at all? Hopefully, you're starting to think about your own subconscious beliefs. I've had so, so many. And I want to talk about some of the beliefs that they have instilled in us when we go through our tapping. But first, I want to talk about set point because this relates to our challenge that we'll get to later. Day five challenge. I've started thinking about what my set points are lately. And this comes from a gal named Elise McDowell from House of Brazen, who I absolutely love for money mindset. And she talks about the idea that we have a set point. We have a set point for so many different things. We have a set point for what we think we can make. I was talking recently with my sister, Jennifer, from the session last night. And I told her, I realized I have a set point for my income that I can't make more than this certain amount. And that amount is the amount that I knew my dad made when I was probably in my early 20s. He made more than that, I'm sure, at some point. But subconsciously, I had this set point of I can't make more than my dad made. And I feel like that's some patriarchal crap that is in there somewhere, but there's no reason that I have to cap myself at that. There is no reason for that set point, for that ceiling that I can't surpass. We have set points in so many areas. I've never been a good saver. I'll just say that. Confession time. I had a set point in my savings account of Eh, okay, whatever. If it was zero, fine. My investment set point? Let's talk about the set point for our account balances. That's a huge one because even if you're making money, if you don't have money in your account that you are retaining, what's the point? If you're worried that you're going to be able to make a purchase, even if you're bringing in a lot of money, If it's just coming right back out again, that's not serving you. That's not serving me. So I've been starting to tap into this idea of the huntress. And my huntress archetype has a Russian accent, very much like Yelena Belova from Hawkeye and Black Widow. And she goes and she gets it done. She's like, okay, I've got my eye on the prize and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, and there's no one, especially no man, who can tell me that I can't. It's this feminine, it's not masculine, it's not a masculine hunter energy, but it's this idea, and we'll talk more about this with our guest Vanessa a little later today, but it's this idea that you can do it, and you just are tapping into this inner strength, into this inner tenacity This inner rebel that says, oh yeah, you tell me I can't make it? Watch me. You just watch me. I will do it. I will do it and I will show you and I will have an amazing life because I deserve it. Oh, I love the huntress. It's going to be so good. Okay. All right. So let's get to the tapping and we are going to tap on some of our possible set points on some of the subconscious beliefs that we have retained from whether it's our parents, our families, culture, patriarchy, our partner, whoever it is, we're going to tap on that. And just like the other days that we've done tapping, we are going to go through the different tapping points. And just a reminder of what they are, you've got your head, You've got the inside your eyebrow, side of your eye, underneath your eye, one finger sideways underneath your nose, 
Same thing, that finger in the chin crease, under both hands under your collarbone, one hand under the other's armpit, right at the bra line, and then the hands together. And we are going to start out like at the other times with one hand tapping on the side of the other hand. And just a reminder, we are tapping to calm the stress that we have, take down our cortisol level. And when we're tapping on these points, these are meridian points. The same as with acupuncture, except there are no needles. And what we're doing is we're confronting the negative that we have, getting it all out there, vomiting it all out. So then we can start to replace it with the positive. Because if you don't acknowledge the negative, sticking the positive on top of that is just like sticking a Band-Aid over a bullet hole without getting the bullet out. So we want to get that bullet out first so we can start to heal. And so these subconscious beliefs can come out and we can start to replace them with the subconscious beliefs that we actually want to have. So what we're going to do is we're going to tap on the side for three different phrases, and then we will go to tapping through the different points. And I will say the phrase, and you can just go ahead and repeat it either out loud or in your head, depending on where you're at, what you feel comfortable with. So we'll go ahead and do that. And even if that phrase doesn't apply to you, you're still going to get the benefit. And if you feel like staying at another point for longer, that's totally okay. Go ahead and do that. We'll go through the points one time. So if you're watching this on video, you can see, and I will that first time say what the different points are. So if you're listening to the audio, you can go ahead and visualize where that is. And before we start on those three phrases on the side of the hand, I want you to close your eyes and just tune into where you feel in your body all of the disempowering beliefs about money, all of the financial abuse you've experienced. Just go ahead and think about how much that affects you still and where you're at with that and your stress level with that. Where is that at on a scale from zero, really, to 10? And where do you feel that? So you've got your number. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. We're going to start on the side of the hand. Take a deep breath to start. Another deep breath. Just repeat after me. Even though I've experienced financial abuse, I absolutely and completely love, accept, and forgive myself. Even though when I look at my finances right now, I'm not really happy with what I see. I'm choosing to be gentle with myself. Absolutely and completely love, accept, and forgive myself. And here's our third phrase. Even though I know there are subconscious beliefs around money that don't serve me, absolutely and completely love, accept, and forgive myself. Now let's go to the top of the head. Dealing with money just brings up so much stress. Go to the eyebrow point. I feel like there's not enough of it. 
the side of the eye. And I don't know where enough money will be coming from under the eye. And sometimes I'm tempted to think that the person I was in a relationship with was right under the nose. I'm tempted to think they were right that I really can't be trusted with money. Inch increase. I see their face. I can hear them talking to me and yelling at me about money. Collarbone. And I just feel so defeated and discouraged. Under the arm at the bra line. Maybe they were right. Wrist together. Maybe I am bad with money. to the top of the head and this time I won't talk about the points so you can just choose when you move on to the next one or you can follow me in the video money has this heavy feeling around it money hasn't been my friend Money has been a weapon. It's been a weapon that's been used against me. And it makes me wary and uncomfortable. Why would I want to have it if it costs so much trouble? But I also need it. And that person made me feel bad for needing it. bad that I couldn't bring in enough. So I could never win with money. And I don't feel confident with money. It slips through my fingers. And it's hard to replace. It feels like I need it, but it won't come. And I don't know what to do to get more. The love of money is the root all evil. That was told to me, and I believed it. I've believed that the desire to have money is wrong. But really, that's about greed. And I'm not a greedy person. 
do good with the money that I have. And I am open to the possibility of making my own money. It even feels a little weird saying that. But what if I could take care of myself? Taking care of myself is not greedy. Taking care of myself is just a basic necessity. And I'm not going to make myself wrong anymore for wanting to take care of myself. And I know that I have everything inside of me that I need. I have resources at my disposal. I have people willing to help. And I can accept that help. I can even ask for that help. without feeling shame. They're helping me on my journey. Just as I will be able to help someone else on their journey. I can pay it forward. when I allow people to help me, I give them a gift. I am open to the idea that everything is figure outable. Thank you, Marie Forleo. And if everything is figure-outable, then I can figure out how to provide for myself. I'm open to tapping into the idea of the huntress. Because I know I deserve more than someone else's scraps. I deserve to be able to provide for myself. And I'm open to the idea of not relying on someone else anymore. might feel a little scary, but I know I have it in me. I know I can stand on my own two feet. And I know I have what it takes to rebuild my life. I made it this far. I am here. And I am proud of myself for that.
I'm open to changing my set points. I'm open to making more money. I'm open to empowering myself. I'm open to having more money in my bank account. I'm open to having more in my life and living paycheck to paycheck. I'm open to having more money in my account. I'm open to building my savings. even open to beginning to invest. And I'm open to starting with something small. Like raising my set point. And something like the amount of food I have in the house. I can have more than just getting by. I can prove to myself that I can do this. I can do this. I will do this because I'm worth it. I'm worth providing for. And I can tap into my confidence. My bravery. And my resourcefulness. To get this done. I will be gentle with myself in this process. I understand that it will take time. And I'm open to beginning to take small steps. To rebuild my life. I can do this. I've got this. Stop and take a deep breath. How does that feel? Oh, hopefully you feel more expansive, more empowered and ready to take on your huntress energy because you can do this. You can provide for yourself. I know you can, just like I know I can. Peach Angelica has something she wants to say to you. Oh, my darling, you just have no idea what's in store for you. You have inside you everything that you need darling whatever it was that you were thinking about as you were tapping that future that thing you want to do the way you want to rebuild your life where you want to get to you have all the ingredients right there inside you right there inside you right there inside you you can do this and i know that you will I'll be cheering from the sidelines. You can do it, girl. You can do it. All right. That was Peach Angelica, my inner cheerleader, who's one of my character archetypes. I'm going to share with you now the challenge for today. That This is about set points. So you're going to journal about your set points, that idea that you have this ceiling, this set point that you can't rise above. 
So this isn't even just about money. If you journal on this, think about what is your relational set point. Is your relational set point someone who is abusive? Is that your relational set point that you've had for yourself? Or can you rise above that? Or maybe somebody who isn't emotionally available or whatever that set point is, write about that and how you want to change your set point. What about your living situation set point? This is something I'm working on right now because it's my desire to live by myself and I'm going to get there. I will, I will, I will. What is my debt set point? Is it okay to have a mountain of debt? Whether that's student loans or credit cards you've had to take out to be able to provide for yourself as you've escaped, what is your debt set point? What is your available food set point? We talked about this a little bit when we did the tapping. What is your account balance set point? What is your savings set point, your investment, your monthly annual income set point? And this last one is really important. What do I want my new set point to be in the above areas? So not all of those will directly apply, but hopefully some of them will be of great use to you and you'll be able to start thinking about your plan for rebuilding your life post-financial abuse. And in this way, going from the trauma of it to the triumph of your exciting new life where you don't have to rely on anybody, where you have this, it's all you, you got this, you can go and you can make what you want and create the life you want. So I believe in you. My unnamed huntress believes in you. So I'm not a name for her yet, but I will. You can do this. Thank you so much today for showing up for yourself. You're doing an amazing job on this journey of healing from trauma to triumph. I'll see you soon.